Welcome to Musicians vs. the World. It's just me today, no interview, because I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart and that I have quite a bit of experience with, and that is performance anxiety. If you're anything like me, you've had the experience of spending months and months studying and memorizing and perfecting your pieces and having them sound just amazing in the practice room. But then when it comes to the actual performance, it just doesn't sound the way you want it to. Or you get distracted and something catastrophic happens and in your mind the entire performance is ruined. And slowly and slowly performance anxiety starts to creep in and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Well, this happened to me in college and because I still loved music, even though I was having trouble performing, I dove into it to try to figure out how to solve my problem. And I thought as we were coming up on audition time for many students that I would share some of the things that have worked for me. I'm calling this performance anxiety triage, meaning short-term things to do the week before performance. These things will not necessarily rid you of performance anxiety long-term. They're only principles that have helped me to address the symptoms of performance anxiety enough where I could perform and still function while I was learning to deal with the root causes of the anxiety. Also, a disclaimer, I am not a mental health professional. I am a musician and I am a teacher. This episode is just for entertainment and informational purposes, and I'm just sharing what helped me and what helps my students. Everyone is different and know that none of these things should be taken as specific medical or therapeutic advice. So with that being said, here is performance anxiety triage. Principle number one, define the problem. This one is loosely based off of a book called The Inner Game of Music that my teacher in college made me read. Since performance anxiety triage deals with mitigating the symptoms of performance anxiety short term, the first step is to figure out what those symptoms are. It means figuring out physically what happens to you when you're experiencing performance anxiety. It really just means you're just going to watch and be aware of what happens. And to give you an example, I'll tell you what happens to me. I get an upset stomach. I get sweaty palms and stiff fingers, but at the same time, I get jittery and I get an increased heart rate, which is kind of weird to have stiff fingers and jittery at the same time. It's kind of weird. But most importantly, my mind is hypersensitive to distractions. And then what you're going to do is you're going to go back and you just kind of say, oh, I have sweaty palms. How sweaty are they on a scale of one to 10? Sometimes going through and just observing helps to make the symptoms less, but really that's not the point. The point is that I have to realize that these physical reactions are not good and they're not bad. They're just reactions. If I realize that they are just what my body does, then I can accept it, expect it, and I can adjust to it. They just become part of the performance, just like the audience, just like the spotlight, just like the coughing baby in the back row. They're just there. Over the week before the performance, it's my job to do things to change the way that I feel about those symptoms and desensitize myself to them so that they're no longer a distraction and I can concentrate on my music. 
Principle number two, nothing new on race day. This one comes originally from my high school piano teacher, and then it was expanded upon when I started distance running. Every marathon runner or guidebook or website will tell you that the two things that you need to run a good marathon is a training plan and nothing new on race day because you can't control the weather, you can't control other runners, and you can't really control the course. But it does mean that you don't want to run 26.2 miles in a brand new pair of shoes that will give you blisters. And you definitely don't want to try new foods or energy gels on race day. In order to run well for that long, you need to have a plan that you've tried that works and that you can stick with. The same principle works for performance anxiety triage. There are many things that I cannot control that can break my concentration, especially when I'm having anxiety, but I do have some control over some things. I can control what I wear. I can control how I eat, how I warm up, and how I spend the day before my performance. So the week before the performance, I try to figure out what will work best for me. I try to do some practicing or some rehearsal time around the same time of day that my performance will be so that I can get accustomed to being a little tired if it's first thing in the morning, or I can be accustomed to already having eaten dinner if it's a night performance. I make a general plan for the day of. Will I do something beforehand to take my mind off? Yeah, I usually like to do that. And then I figure out how am I going to warm up? What am I going to do in between pieces? Will I take a breath? Will I bow? And if I've generally planned out all of these things beforehand, when unexpected things arise the day of performance, which always happens, I won't panic. And I'll be able to adjust because I have a comfortable and somewhat flexible routine already in place. And then... I like to practice my routine, which takes us to principle number three, rehearse, simulate, and visualize. This one originates in college where we were given assignments to perform for our peers before solo recitals and juries. And over the years, as I've helped my nervous students and have gone to continuing education and to conferences, I've expanded on this idea. This principle helps me with hypersensitivity to distractions and concentration. I like to rehearse performing as much as possible, and I like to do my rehearsals in specific ways, and each time has a specific goal in mind to address the different physical things that happen to me when I have performance anxiety. Um, Side note, this is in addition to my regular practice. So the first and most obvious way to practice performing is to actually practice performing in front of other people. And the reason I do this is it desensitizes me to the differences in audiences and sounds so I can keep my concentration up. And as an added bonus for me as a pianist, the higher number of different pianos I can play on helps me to practice adjusting to different piano qualities and different instruments. When I give this assignment to my students that suffer from performance anxiety, I tell them to perform for people in increasing levels of stress. So for the ones that really are terrified of performing in front of everybody, that means that they need to perform for a stuffed animal. This makes them laugh because they feel silly, but honestly, performing when you feel silly is not a bad thing. That's good practice because you may start to feel self-conscious in the middle of a performance. So practice that way so you're accustomed to it. And from there, they can move on to higher pressure situations like performing for a dog or a supportive friend or a family member up to teachers and maybe finally someone that you really, really want to impress. 
And on the day of the performance, I don't do any performance practice at all. I'll just run through hard technical sections at half tempo or, you know, maybe run through like little tiny sections. But when I'm having performance anxiety, run throughs on the day of just tend to cause more anxiety. Another way I like to rehearse is by simulating the experience. And this one I learned in a psychology class. In college, when I was at my worst, I had a particular lesson where I was running through a piece of music for my teacher and he was rifling through the drawers to try to distract me, to help me practice being distracted. The funny thing was, while he was making all of this noise, I was way less stressed than when he was just sitting quietly listening to me. And I realized that I usually practiced in practice rooms, which if you've ever walked down the hallway of a practice room hallway, it's very, very loud. So when I was in a high pressure situation performing for a teacher that I really wanted to impress, a silent room was extremely distracting. So I started to go into the practice room really early or late at night when it was much more quiet so I could simulate and desensitize myself to the relative silence that happens in juries. I would close my eyes and I would visualize what the hall would look like, what it would smell like, what my body would be feeling, what I would be hearing, and what the jurors would even look like. And I would get all of that into my mind and get myself into that space and then I would play my music and that helped an awful lot. So my third way that I like to practice performing is actually one of my favorites. And maybe it's just because it's new to me and it's different than the way I've been practicing in the past. And this one's all about heart rate. I know that my heart rate increases when I perform and that can be extremely distracting and it makes me play too fast and it takes away from my expression and my musicality. It's not good. So now I like to practice performing with an increased heart rate to get accustomed to concentrating even when my heart rate is high. So for me, this means that before I start playing, I'll do jumping jacks, elevate my heart rate, get breathing hard, and then sit down and visualize the hall. And it makes rehearsal so much more fun for me. So I really, really like this one now. And it actually goes right into my principle number four. And principle number four is exercise. Okay, just hear me out. Don't stop the podcast. Just listen, because I cannot tell you how much exercise helps me become a better musician just in general. And it helps me with stress and it helps me with sleep and it helps me in concentration and it helps me when I perform. And I make sure that I do something active on the day of a performance. In fact, I have an entire episode on the benefits of exercise in musical performance on my podcast channel, and it's called Musicians Versus Athletics. And I talked to my brother who is a physical therapist, and he tells us kind of the science behind it and how to start an exercise program that will help you as a performance. So just go listen to it. Principle number five be grateful. Now, it has a little story to it, so just bear with me. 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and that means that my immune system thinks that my joints are actually invaders, and it aggressively tries to destroy them. And you've seen pictures of this, I'm sure, of deformed hands with fingers pointing backwards in the wrong direction. That's rheumatoid arthritis, and that's the disease that I have. Well, for my first year after my diagnosis, my fingers were not facing the wrong direction, but they were so swollen and so painful that I physically could not play the piano. I can't tell you how devastating that was to me. 
And over the years, I have been fortunate enough to have excellent doctors and physical therapists that helped me to slowly get my dexterity and function back. It took me about a year to a year and a half to get back to where I could play comfortably. And I remember the first time that I was able to perform. I was just so full of gratitude that I had the ability to share my music with others. And even now, years later, I'm still grateful for every single note that I play because I know that there will come a day where I won't be able to play anything anymore. It's just the nature of the disease. And so when I fill my mind with that gratitude and joy, there's no room for self-criticism or self-doubt. So I tell my students when they're nervous to imagine that this performance is the last time they'll ever get to play. And what is it that they want to convey? And what is it that they want to say to the audience? So that's it. Those are my five principles to help with performance anxiety triage. Number one, define the problem. Number two, nothing new on race day. Number three, rehearse, simulate, and visualize. Number four, exercise. And number five, be grateful. What I hope you get out of this is it's going to be okay if you have performance anxiety right now. Yes, we all want to be as perfect as possible and really the accuracy needs to be there. But remember, the point of a live musical performance is to make a human connection through the glorious medium of music. If we didn't care about the humanness aspect and the heart of a performance, we would just sit in our houses and listen to perfectly and highly edited recordings. Hopefully these principles can be helpful to let you trust that those months of practicing and studying have trained your body to know what to do. And your body does know what to do and can do it, even if you are experiencing physical symptoms of anxiety and stress. I wish you all the best luck on that audition, and I look forward to next time. Musicians vs. the World is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment in conjunction with Smith Sound Music. This episode was hosted and edited by me, Christine Smith, and produced by Russ Wilkes. As always, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. If there is a topic you'd like to discuss, come chat with us at Musicians vs. the World on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or just send us an email at info at frostedlens.com.